0: Today's stroll down Oddity Avenue may contain themes of mystery, strange phenomenon, the unexplainable, and the kind of questions that will keep you up late into the night. Listener discretion is advised. They remember the forgotten places, slipping through fences, through doors, tunnels and drains like shadows. It's the stories that fascinate them. Or maybe it's the addictive thrill of illicit adrenaline. The history and the humanity that permeates through every fibre of the abandoned remains. These are the ones who take the risks, who leap from beam to beam, who crawl through the spaces that no one would crawl through and find the memories left behind. These are the ones who brave the labyrinths deep beneath your city. These are the ones who ask why. The ones who discover and uncover. These are the Urban Explorers. Welcome to the very first ever episode of Oddity Avenue, a podcast that just really loves odd things if the title didn't give it away. I'm your host, Jamie Akers. If you can't tell by the accent, I'm from Australia, the city of Brisbane in Queensland to be specific. This podcast, in a nutshell, is about anything that comes across our path and makes its way onto our radar for being weird, odd, left of field, outside of the mainstream, absolutely fascinating, mysterious, or just really, really cool. If it fits in one of these categories, then it is something we're definitely going to have to take a look at in depth in an attempt to understand just a little better. So in essence, this show is just an excuse for someone like me who loves strange things, or a good old mystery, to spend some time playing researcher. It's that glorious quest to forever know more and to understand more. Where possible, I go out and chat to people slash go on my own adventures to explore and discover. So I formally invite you to join me on these adventures through your headphones or your speakers. In fact, a little later in this episode, I'll take you through some of my own experiences of urban exploration – Before you build up grand expectations of an Indiana Jones-esque style adventure, I'm just going to straight up tell you right now that I was petrified, to the point of pathetic. (laughs) Shaky breathing, questioning my existence, the lot. It turned out making your first exploration an abandoned and decaying mental asylum probably isn't a great idea. If nothing else, I'm sure you'll have a little chuckle, so stick around for that one. Before we begin, let me offer an Aussie disclaimer. You're going to hear some really strange nicknames in this episode. If you're not from Australia, let me give you a really brief rundown of the Aussie culture. So these titles and names aren't just leaving you shaking your head in confusion. If you didn't know this already, us Aussies love to shorten words. Names, fruit, modes of transportation, daily operations. If it's a thing, then it's highly likely that we have a slang term for it. Often things will be shortened and changed to include Azza or an O or an E at the end. For example, if you're in Australia and your name is Darren, Dazza is a perfectly acceptable alternative. Gary, Gazza. Douglas, Duggo. The list could go on for ages, honestly, but there are a few examples and you get the point. Today, I want to take you through a subculture that I find to be so deeply fascinating, It's the subculture of urban exploration, or urbex as it's typically called. So what is it? In its most basic essence, it is simply a contemporary style of exploration. Specifically, the exploration of man-made things. Things like tunnels and drains pop up a lot in urban exploration jump online do a search and you'll see photos of abandoned train tunnels or subway platforms derelict buildings old houses that have been left i mean literally left as though someone had a moment's notice before needing to leave their home with paperwork and personal possessions and a cup of tea just left haphazardly around the house you'll see stunning photography of old forgotten church buildings Abandoned industrial factories complete with antiquated machinery still inside. Stunning red-bricked drains right under the feet of bustling cities. Wild gardens growing inside abandoned warehouses. The list is endless. And the raw humanity of it all is breathtaking. A number of talented urban explorers have documented their travels through some of the world's most iconic cities and places. The treasure troves of history that have been uncovered and remembered through this subculture act like a form of homage, an act of respect to a place that was once there and then it wasn't. But through these discoveries is kept alive and respected. The questions of who and why underlines every adventure and every find. Why is this house abandoned? Who lived there? Why has this building been left to decay? Who were the people that once made these hallways come alive? I guess what do you do with an enormous train tunnel you can't use anymore? Do you just fill it in? Or leave it and hope maybe one day it'll come in handy for some future town planning situation? Or some old building that turns out is filled with asbestos or just no longer needed? What do you do with it if you don't have the resources or time to sustainably knock it down, upgrade or modify? It begs the question, what else is there in modern day society that has been abandoned and forgotten? I've spent hours upon hours upon hours just absorbing all of this information and the many incredible finds associated with modern day urban exploration. And I've got to tell you the potentially unconventional image I get in my head. So Futurama. If you've watched it, you'll get me. If not, well, here's a Futurama crash course. Futurama is set in our future and in a city called New New York. Under New New York is Old New York. Old New York is under New New York because New New York has quite literally been built on top of the Old New York. Two side notes. Old New York is our current day New York and Old New York has been entirely forgotten about by the people of New New York and Futurama. In fact, Old New York is essentially the sewer system for New New York. You get where I'm going with this, right? I'm in love with the idea that there is this entire man-made world, mysteries and tunnels and all manner of hidden things that exist right under our feet or down the street from where we live. It's kind of like the old New York in Futurama, yeah? The common theme you'll hear about in urban exploration is the adrenaline rush of the adventure. I can completely understand the thrill. I can completely understand how this kind of exploring can be so addictive. Outside of the remarkable photographic opportunities, there is something electrifying about that may not be allowed... Kind of substance that's associated with the activity? Urban explorations aren't necessarily illegal, not at all. However, it is illegal, obviously, to trespass. So, what's a little bit of trespassing among friends, am I right? I mean, I may not have wanted to touch that untouchable object until I saw the sign that said don't touch, and now I'm consumed by the overwhelming desire to touch the thing. Us humans are all unique bundles of curiosity. Of course we're going to want to explore and discover. We always have done and we always will. It's in our nature and that's never going to change. The thrill of adventure is even more appealing if we kind of aren't allowed to do it. Anyway, right, wrong or indifferent, I get it. I entirely so get it. The idea that there is this entire world hidden away from daily existence is enough to spark even the mildest of curious souls. It's exciting. Adrenaline rush-inducing. In September 2019, Australia's 7 News interviewed photographer and explorer Shane Toms to discuss one of his photography collections titled Abandoned Australia. Shane would go out into the wilderness and find some incredible locations, all of which fell under the banner of being abandoned. Often Shane would use drone technology to capture the essence of the abandoned homes and spaces. The reporter asked Shane a question, and Shane's answer, in my opinion, wraps up the entire premise of what urban exploration represents for a lot of people. Have a listen. Quick note, the link to the full interview and all interviews you hear throughout this podcast can be found in the show notes. I think the thing that strikes me when I I see your images is that these are buildings that were once full of life, full of humanity. When you're inside them in those quiet moments, do you feel an echo of life, an echo of the people that were once there? Absolutely, absolutely. There's an incredible amount of uh, lingering um, emotional human energy that wafts through the space. You know, these places, they're like abandoned stages filled with uh, sort of inanimate props. There's, the actors are no longer there to, to, yeah. to sort of animate the space, and you're sort of left with this stage, you know, and, and uh, you know, it's it's quite a philosophical, uh, reflective platform to be in. That's a very good way you put it as well, because that's how it <laughs> comes across in your images as well. Yeah. Look, you take some risks getting to them, but I appreciate that you do a philosophical, reflective platform. I couldn't in a million years have summed that up any better. The urbex lifestyle certainly isn't one that's entirely free of risks. Aside from the obvious dangers that are associated with almost any kind of exploratory venture, particularly when you're talking about water drains, decaying buildings and so on. The ABC asked a pair of urban explorers a question that gave me a bit of a giggle. Have the cops ever got you? Uh, I've been in court for um, trespassing and breaking enter, but that got reduced down because I, I actually told the judge I do photos and I sell them as art and he was, he was understanding, but you know, he said the next time you're here, it'll be a different story. We're not destroying anything. We're just, you know, appreciating the beauty of the underground and we're just taking photos. Fun tip for new players, don't get busted. And if you do get busted, remember to tell them it's art. Problem solved, you're welcome. Wait, wait, I know, I've got one. Okay, so have you ever heard the joke about two guys who walk into a room and find a shark? Actually, it's no joke. Actually, this is a real thing. The audio I'm about to play you was posted to YouTube by Lukey MC. Luke's account says, I'm starting out filming anything I come across. It can be anything from abandoned places to four-wheel driving. If I see anything funny or think it's worth a video, I'll film it. That's my brother's voice you just heard, by the way. Not Lukey MC's. I just felt like it would be cooler if you had a guy's voice for that part. So... So well done you, Lukey MC, because what you filmed here has over 14 million views and has caused quite the urban exploration stir, you might say. Let me set the scene for you. What you're about to hear is Luke commentating as he walks with his GoPro through what was once an illegal Australian wildlife park. The wildlife park was forced to close its jaws due to not having the appropriate licences. In Lukey's video, it's now an abandoned shell, decaying and overtaken by nature. Throughout the video, Luke mentions the smell of the place, its rank. I'd just like to note that all of the wildlife previously held at the park were surrendered to the RSPCA, but their enclosures were abandoned as is. A lot of the enclosures in Luke's video are indoors, so the remnants of animal waste combined with decay, rot and no airflow... Well you can imagine how pleasant the smell must have been, but the stench is nothing until he walks into a large and extremely cluttered room you're about to hear. There is broken furniture strewn about the place, old appliances, yellowing paperwork here and there, remnants of old marketing posters, signage and collateral. There are even some old incredible arcade machines covered in a thick layer of dust. Imagine you've grabbed all of these things at random and just shoved them in a room use that image to set the stage for what our explorers were navigating around.
1: right, where are we? What have we got here? Oh, what a weird looking tank.
0: Did you hear that? Luke said, what a weird looking tank. It's at this point in the video that a light is shone upon a large, like, really large rectangular structure, the tank, located right in the middle of the room. You can see through the glass of this massive tank and it's holding a substantial amount of thick greenish liquid. The liquid is so dense and murky that you can't really see through it. The sounds you can hear are Luke and his accomplice trying to move around the room to get a better look at the tank. Luke steps over the items. He moves around to get to the other side of the tank, his GoPro capturing all of the clutter around him when…
1: What the hell? Can you guys see that? I've got to turn my light off. Can you see that? Wow. Look in there. I hope you guys are able to see that. That is creepy as That's creepy.
0: Check out the footage for yourself because, exactly like Lukey says, it really is creepy as. In the video, where Luke is standing, dim light is shining through the other side of the room. And in a sense, it's illuminating the giant tank that is in the middle of the room. You can now see that there's something inside the tank. Something eerily suspended in the thick green liquid. And that something... It's a five-metre great white shark. You can see its haunting silhouette within the tank, just floating and completely devoid of any kind of life. That rank smell that Luki mentioned earlier on, well, aside from your everyday decay and rot and animal fecal matter in the building, it was most likely formaldehyde, that greenish liquid inside the tank. That's what was being used to preserve the shark. And that doesn't even begin to scrape the surface of some of Urban Exploration's incredible finds. Let me give you a really brief list of some things you might have missed, but Urban Explorers certainly hadn't. An abandoned space shuttle in an enormous and old hangar in Kazakhstan. Entire forgotten subways. Abandoned mental asylums. Oh yes, they're a popular one. Abandoned oil rigs. Abandoned mansions. How does someone just abandon... A multi-multi-million-dollar mansion. Can you just, like, abandon some of your money my way, please? This one is extremely tragic and creepy, but an abandoned mausoleum with bodies still inside. And a particularly heart-wrenching, raw, and just quietly illegal, exploration of Pripyat in Chernobyl's exclusion zone. The video I watched detailed three guys who walk extreme distances to enter the Chernobyl exclusion zone, where they photographed the remnants of the town, an overgrown amusement park with dodgem cars still just haphazardly scattered around, an empty community pool, and places that were once homes, clothing, shoes, all radioactive remnants of horror.
1: One of my favourite urbex memories was sleeping on this abandoned hotel rooftop in Japan, overlooking this little beach town, And I sat up there all night with my Asahi and my Walkman and the flight path was right over the top of me. It was beautiful.
0: That's Bianca. I've been a fan of Bianca's urban exploration photography as well as her YouTube channel for a while and knew she was someone I had to speak to in order to understand more about the urban exploration life. So I reached out to her.
1: The kind of places that I prefer to explore are either really old or really overgrown or really big. But my main focus is on houses because I really like retro style architecture.
0: The places that Bianca explores are incredible and she has the photos to prove it.
1: Most of the spots I find are through online research, DA applications, real estate ads, social media. I've got access to near maps which shows regularly updated satellite imagery and I'm getting tips come in from my Facebook page as well as I just seem to keep stumbling upon them.
0: Bianca runs a Facebook page called Abandoned Brisbane. If you aren't already one of the page's 40,000 plus followers then I suggest you jump right on that.
1: I guess the reason that I love exploring is I'm attracted to the tranquility and desolation of the abandoned and I really like old houses. I don't think exploring is as dangerous as people think. I think besides you know, asbestos exposure or going through the floor, the only thing you really have to deal with is squatters, and they're usually more scared of you than you are of them. I most often explore by myself, um, really none of my friends are interested, and I can relax and just absorb the atmosphere when I'm by myself. I've met other explorers in the past, and I've had a few committed sidekicks over the years. People usually just get in touch through social media.
0: That Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash abandoned Brisbane. Facebook.com forward slash abandoned Brisbane. You'll find the link in today's show notes if you get lost. Check it out because the work Bianca does is outstanding.
1: I always try and leave houses as I found them and, if possible, locked. But I guess my official code of ethics would be to take nothing but photos and food and leave nothing but footprints and toilet paper. Also, if you ever see an empty crowny bottle, you know who's been there.
0: We've talked about what urban exploration is. Now, I want to tell you about a group, an urbex group. You may have even heard of them. They've been around since the late 80s and they call themselves the Cave Clan. Well, dirty, wet and dangerous drains are more suited to rats, cockroaches or ninja turtles. But believe it or not, there is a secret society that explores the tunnels and drains beneath our major cities. They call themselves the Cave Clan. It actually captures people's imagination, the idea of people being exploring under underground realms. There are railway tunnels that go nowhere. There's um, the remnants of wartime bomb shelters. They leave a calling card bearing their name, the Cave Clan. You can visit the Cave Clan website, which tells you what they're about, offers safety advice including their proclaimed golden rule, when it rains, no drains and information about Cave Clan groups across Australia. Here is a direct quote I've taken from the Cave Clan website. The Cave Clan was formed by three Melbourne people back in early 1986. On 26 January, a trio of explorers – Duggo, Sloth and Woody – ventured out to explore the Diamond Creek mines in the northeast of Melbourne. Talk of starting a group of explorers who explore Melbourne's underground started from this day, and the name Cave Clan was chosen shortly afterwards. We started exploring mines, caves and soon included stormwater drains. These days, the Cave Clan have explored just about every type of artificial tunnel or chamber there is. Bridge rooms, gas pipeline tunnels, purification tanks, sewerage discharge tunnels, brackets, disused, important note, optic fibre tunnels, train tunnels and many unnameable tunnels and cavities under the city. I thought that sounded fantastic. An organised group of people whose main aim is urbex. While sifting through their website, I even found their mission statement. I'm going to read you some of what their key points are, as it offers a really great understanding of what and who the Cave Clan are. Unlike other exploration groups around the world, the Cave Clan places the social aspect of exploration above all other aspects. This is the distinction that has enabled the Cave Clan to enjoy a long and colourful history, with a strong sense of kinship among many of its long-term members. The primary aim of Cave Clan is not to have the most extensive access to locations or to brag about exploits, but to have fun with like-minded individuals. This is the spirit of the Clan. Members are free to explore whatever they like, as long as it doesn't draw negative public or legal attention to the group. The Cave Clan is not a formal organisation. It operates like a loosely organized friendship group. Leadership roles tend to fall towards those who do the most work in the spirit of the group. Leadership, in inverted commas, in the clan is based on merit, experience, longevity and popularity. Basically, those who contribute the most to the group, socially and productively, have the greatest say in how things are run. This approach has enabled the core of the clan to survive for more than three decades. The Cave Clan is ultimately an embodiment of Australian inventiveness and larrikinism, of curiosity and rebellion. Just a side note, the term larrikin is often used in Australia to describe someone who's a bit cheeky, maybe a bit rebellious, but has got a good heart and loves a good laugh. Above all, The Cave Clan is about friends, going in places they're not meant to, getting out alive and having some of the best times of their lives. I thought it would be interesting to see if there were any Cave Clan groups represented in my neck of the woods. Surprisingly, and according to the Cave Clan website, the Brisbane Cave Clan branch members are active and have been so since the mid-1990s. The website even states that some of the most talented explorers have been found in Brisbane. So if there is an underground group of explorers right in my city, then I've got to know more about them. Cue the old Google search. I started with urban exploration, Brisbane. News articles popped up, some places to visit, photos taken from Instagram profiles and broadcasts on various media, outlet websites. None of it was really what I was after. I changed it up a little and searched Cave Clan Brisbane. I came up with a really tragic article about three people who were exploring a stormwater drain. I came up with some media hype about the dangers of urbexing but still not quite what I was after. A few variations of searches led me into a rabbit hole of reddit threads, forums and dodgy looking websites but I did come across the mention of true blue Aussie nicknames of people associated with the Brisbane Cave Clan branch as a possum and I'm gonna just try and pronounce this one but zankta. It's D-S-A-N-K-T-E-R. I've tried it a million times. I don't know how you're supposed to pronounce it. So who were these people? One forum mentioned that the Brisbane Cave Clan didn't, and I quote, kick off until Dzankta came into the scene around the 2000s. Since then, the Brisbane Clan has thrived, albeit in a far more low-key fashion, more befitting to the stealthy methodology that is required when traversing your way under the noses and over the heads of Brisbane civilians. So, 20 years ago, Tsankta joined the Brisbane clan and made it thrive. Is Tsankta still involved? Who is Tsankta? How could I find this vague person? Was Tsankta one of the people involved in that horrific drowning incident? I don't know. I found a fair few references to this mysterious cave clan leader across forums, but it was like, all of a sudden, this Tsankta just vanished. The last reference I could find occurred over a decade ago. It was on a forum hosting a photo of a drain tunnel. The photo's description read, It is common practice that whoever finds a location is given the rights to name it. In this manner, names such as Duggo's tomb came about. The above drain, Sanctuary, follows the same principle. The image itself, called Sanctuary's Ghost, includes a depiction of someone who's facing away from the camera and possibly moving by the blur of the slow shutter speed. The person appears to be male, wearing dark shorts or perhaps pants rolled up as there does appear to be water in the tunnel, and they're wearing a white or a light t-shirt with a dark backpack. Is this Zenta? I reached out to the Cave Clan, but as of the date I record this, I haven't heard back. If anyone has any information on the Brisbane Cave Clan or the Cave Clan in general, please feel free to reach out to me. My contact details are on this episode's show notes or just head to the Oddity Avenue website. We're going to take a short break here and when we get back, join me as I go on my own urban exploration adventure. It's, um, well, it's a little embarrassing, so don't go away. At this point, I'd done so much research into urban exploration, I was extremely keen to get out there and go on an exploratory venture of my own. I had enlisted my sister to come along on the exploration with me, as moral support, and she is so dramatic, she would have made excellent audio. But alas, life happened and she had to bail, so it's just me. In fact, at the thought of going on an adventure on my own, I'm not going to lie, there was a sense of trepidation. I've read the books. I've watched the movies, you know, I know what happens to the girl when they enter a dark, abandoned place alone. It's never good and the person always ends up, as a classic side note, in the story. So I did have to consider whether or not to bail on this mission myself, but in the end, curiosity won out. So Five Foot Nothing, me, became the explorer. I had a list of places around the Brisbane region that I wanted to visit. Please note, I won't be sharing the locations in this podcast, although it doesn't take a genius to figure out where I went. I consulted my list and mapped out two places of particular interest that were relatively-ish close in location. It was the middle of the day when I was ready to head out. The sun shone high and bright in the sky, scattered with thick clouds offering false promises of rain. I got in my car and I drove. And drove. I finally reached the vicinity of the first location I wanted to explore. I didn't have the exact address, but according to the forum threads i read about the place, it shouldn't be too hard to find. I began driving around the area, keeping a keen eye out for the identifying factors of this building. I knew this much. It was an old textile factory built during the World War II era. The factory had been left when it was closed down in 1992, and hundreds of workers had lost their jobs. Apparently, the heavy, antiquated machinery, along with pieces of fabric, and evidence of the humanity and hustle and bustle of work that once took place within its walls, still remained inside. I saw the building. Strangely, I felt as though I was seeing a celebrity. Here, in front of me was a building I had sifted through social media platforms and internet pages finding evidence of, and now I'm looking at it with my own eyes. The area around me was busy on the day with people wandering around the industrial workplaces surrounding the building. More devastatingly, there was a team of workers around the old factory, evidently carrying out some kind of work. I sat in my car, parked on the side of the road, the air conditioner still running for a long time. I weighed up my options and went through a mental checklist of possibilities. It wasn't until two of the workers looked towards my car and we made eye contact, before I hastily looked down at my phone to pretend I was doing something very important, of course, I knew it was too risky to attempt to enter. Not today, especially for my first urban exploration adventure. The adrenaline rush I'd felt at seeing the building for the first time just left me feeling so deflated. I'd picked a dreadful day to explore the old factory. So I punched in the next address into my phone and drove off, leaving the treasure trove of opportunities behind me. Again, I didn't know exactly where this next building was, but I had a good idea of its rough location. I'd read a lot online about this building, in fact a lot of contradictory material. Some said the heritage-listed building acted as a dark reminder of horrific atrocities against society's vulnerable. Others said it pays homage to an ever-shifting and developing understanding of clinical treatment and rehabilitation. The research I had conducted into the facility leads me to believe, perhaps the former, that this place was indeed the home to horrible acts against people suffering from illness, all cooped up in less than desirable conditions. So where was I headed to next? The oldest currently running Mental Institution in Australia. I drove, following the map on my phone, until I had arrived at my destination. destination. The area around me was littered in security cameras and signage indicating various Queensland government facilities. From here on out, I was on my own on the quest to find this mental asylum. At first, I drove into a blocked-off area that looked a little too official for my liking. I turned around and continued down roads that looked like they must lead to, well, somewhere. It's just gorgeous. The greenery is unlike anything I've ever seen before. I didn't even know we had this in Australia. The area around me was stunning. Absolutely picturesque. I was captivated by the lush greenery the rolling hills, the forestry, and the life of this place. How could a building filled with nightmares be standing in a place as beautiful as this? The sounds of native birds could be heard calling to one another. And more than a few times, I had to slow down for the multitude of kangaroos that inhabited this place, nibbling at grass and just blazing around in the sun. I continued driving when I saw something, something interesting. To my right, off the road, I could see what looked like it could be a building surrounded by a high barbed wire fence. I drove down to a place I could surreptitiously park, I didn't want to look too obvious, and got immediately out of my car. Deep breaths, this was it. Now or never. I began to walk. I didn't really know where I was going, so I figured the best step at this point was just to head in the direction of the fence building I'd seen. I walked through a stone path, gazing around at a river that wound through the hills far beneath where I was located. The incline grew and grew, and there in front of me, I could see the tips of the building appearing. Already, I could see the dilapidation of time, with wooden beams deteriorating and rusted corrugated iron peeling back from the roof. I then changed course and began making my way through the overgrown grass in the direction of my goal. I'm just kind of, uh, just kind of exploring. Could you hear what sounds like water in the background? On my way to the old building, I stumbled across an old water pump house. The sounds you hear are when I leaned in to have a peek through the barred, spider-webbed windows. I'm not gonna lie, my heart is pounding million miles a minute, and I am kind of. Freaking out a little bit. Much of the thick grass reached up to my thighs, so I was pretty quickly covered in seeds and shrubbery as I carefully navigated, watching for any movement. Wow, I'm really close to some kangaroos. Another thing I need to keep looking out for is snakes. You've probably heard that everything in Australia kills you. Well, it's not too far from the truth. Snakes, spiders, all of the wonderful things I was hoping I wouldn't stumble across. I reached the building. It was enclosed in two high and imposing barbed wire topped fences. Littered around the fences were signs reminding people like me to not trespass. This is official Queensland government land. I stood there for ages. A tiny figure in front of an enormous, old and catastrophically beautiful remnant of a terrible age in mental health care. I felt chills run through me. I could see through some of the broken glass windows into the cement rooms lined with vines and stubborn plant life. The sounds of wind making its way through those empty hallways made my hair stand on end. Can you can hear some noises coming from the building. Old clanking and clamouring of old buildings. I don't know if it was because I knew the history of the place or just the ambience of the entire facility but it was really creepy and I could hear a lot of old building noises that did make me feel a little on edge. I walked around the entire circumference of the high fence to double check what I already knew. There was no way for me to get in without either breaking or cutting something. In the spirit of leaving places as you find them, I didn't want to do that. Plus, I also was low-key freaking out about this whole trespassing thing. The signage made it pretty clear that no one was going to go in there without legal ramifications. I was happy with my only scrapes with the law being speeding fines. The area was so stunning. I thought I'd go for a wander to see what I could find. I walked up the hill area, stopping periodically to just soak in how lovely this place was. At one of my moments gazing around at the scenery, I felt my blood run cold and my heart stop in my chest. Oh my gosh, I found an old building. I could have so easily missed it too. I was following a path that wound around the old mental asylum building and down to what I assumed must have been the new and currently active mental facility far off in the distance. To my left, the landscape dropped away into a steep decline covered in bush, trees and all manner of plant life until it reached the river far below. It was here, almost completely covered by the overgrowth of trees and vines that I saw the roof of an old building peeking through the branches. I focused my attention on the area and could make out the shape of the building. It had to be no bigger than a small apartment. Then I noticed concrete stairs covered in dirt and fallen leaves that made its way down into the darkness below where this house was located. Oh, how much do I want to go in? I groaned inwardly I'm on land that bears the history of terrible deeds, staring down through the dense forestry at a dilapidated house that is dark and tucked out of the way to be forgotten. Of course I'm gonna have to walk down and check it out. That's the only option, obviously. Okay, I'm not gonna lie, I'm feeling slightly nervous. The rush of blood in my ears was loud enough to drown out the calls of the birds and the rustling of tree limbs. I took in a deep breath and stepped tentatively on the first concrete step, followed by another tentative step, and then another. Walking down the stairs. You can probably hear the shakiness of my breathing. I was petrified. Every bad thing and every possible terrible scenario was flashing through my mind as I peeked in through the open doors into the rooms beyond. Ooh, all of my nerves. So on edge right now. Can't believe I found this. I'm literally shaking right now. The building I'd found was mercifully free of any major spiders or surprise inhabitants. It was comprised of two rooms, filled only with scattered debris and furniture that was falling to pieces. There was no signage or evidence on the building to indicate what it might have been. And additional research hasn't led me any closer to finding out its purpose. It was too far away from the other building or facility and too inconveniently located to have been used merely as a storeroom. The furniture led me to believe it may have been a kind of office or a staff space, but the reality is I just have no idea. If you're familiar with the area I'm speaking about and know a little more about this particular building than I do, please reach out and let me know. I've included photos of my little urban exploration adventure in today's show notes. So head over onto the Odyssey Avenue website, check those out and feel free to share your thoughts. And walking back up the stairs, thank goodness. And so ends my bone chilling experience with urban exploration. I've had a personal um, epiphany. Um, It's been a bit of a moment actually of reflection. Um, I'm currently a full time um, psych student, so I'm, I'm studying a Bachelor of Psychological Science and Sociology. And um, it's been fascinating, of course. And everything that you study, you kind of internalize and go, huh, that's me, I behave in that way. Or, hey, that's really interesting because that explains X about myself or my relationship with blah and my parents or whatever. Um, So, through today's adventure, I've had a little psychological epiphany. So, the prefrontal cortex of your brain, that's responsible for risk-taking and a lot of that kind of decision-making, it isn't finished developing until you're 25. So, once upon a time, I was the kid that loved exploring. I would go out. I would just explore for hours and essentially was fearless, which is is kind of naive and stupid, really. Um, yeah, I would walk into to anywhere and anything, a cave. Uh, it didn't matter. I, I just had no fear whatsoever, and I was just so curious. So today's adventure has made me realize that, wow, being, you know coming up to the the latter end of my 20s and I can see 30s on the horizon. My brain really is finished developing and it is so boring. I was petrified walking into that place. Suddenly it's like every danger possible um, becomes a reality, you know, and I'm thinking, I don't want to be in this, this space by myself. What if somebody's here? What if there are snakes? What if there are spiders? What if I fall over? No one's going to know that I'm here. Blah, 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 blah. The list is endless and it is so boring. And a little part of me kind of resents that my brain is fully developed now. So there you go. Today's reflections. And that wraps up today's stroll down Oddity Avenue. Are you an urban explorer? Don't be afraid to reach out. I'd love to hear your stories. Hey, big shout out and thanks to Explorer Bianca from Abandoned Brisbane. Again, her Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash Abandoned Brisbane. You're going to be astounded at Bianca's stunning photos and her hilarious captions of the abandoned. And lastly, if anyone knows of this elusive Zankta, hey, let me know. Who is this guy? I want to speak to him. Thanks so much for listening and I'll catch you later on the next episode of Oddity Avenue.